We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon, all one word, dot com. There you can ask a question via the listener inquiry button and listen to old archive shows. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you hey, all. Good morning, Happy Scott. New Year. Uh, can uh, you believe it? Happy 2020. 2020. Hard to believe. Nice ring. Somebody said that to me. does have a good ring. Somebody said that to me that it sounded almost something like a, a novel, almost like a 1984 <laughs> yes, kind yeah, of thing. Totally Very does. futuristic. Yes. It's going to be a fantastic financial decade for everybody. And I, I understand you brought a guest this week. We did, a special guest all the way from Winnipeg. And um, one of the things that Don and I have access to, which is fantastic, is the is our advanced financial planning and tax department. And it's... Uh, you know, it's so it's such a critical role in terms of supporting us what we do in the field when we're speaking with clients mm-hmm. and some as you as people's financial complexity increases, it's really nice to have resources that we can fall back to, what legal resources, tax planning resources. Um, and uh, Craig Hughes is part of our part of that team and Craig's our director of tax and estate planning at IG Wealth Management. So welcome Craig. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. Thanks for participating. One of the things I sort of teed up with Craig, I wanted to talk about in the in the first few sections, but is to really get back to charitable giving mm-hmm. and the concepts around that. And there's a lot of different strategies, and everybody, you know, it's from the basic, you know, fifty dollar contribution all the way up to people wanting to do more advanced estate planning mm-hmm. and tax planning um, within their personal and both and corporate life. Uh, if they own their own business. So there's a lot of different ways for people to participate in charitable giving. And, um, you know, so I guess when you think about all the different programs, Craig, that are available through us at IG Wealth Management, you know, what are the most popular ones? And, and maybe just sort of highlight what are the key ones that uh, people are most like to, likely to access? Yeah, I think I think the, the key... The- the key program that we have is we, we call it the IG Wealth Management uh, Charitable Giving Program. Yes. Uh, so basically, what what that is is it, it we call it in the industry it's called a donor advised fund. So so a lot of people you know they know they want to give to charity but uh, they're not sure you know which charities to give to or they may have already given to a charity in the past and the you know they might have some reservations of giving that to that charity again. So what these program this program does is it allows them to, to set up an account. Um, you know, most people associate their family name with it or something like that. And basically, they can donate into this account. Uh, they'll receive uh, donation tax credits, and uh, they're able to move uh, securities and things like that into the account, which get uh, additional tax benefits. And then basically, um, they have a little bit more control than they would if they give to a charity directly. So basically, once it's in the account, uh, the money is invested. It grows on a on a tax exempt basis because it's been given uh, to a public foundation, and then uh, the the person who established the account can make recommendations. So they can then say, over time and for as many years as they want, they can kind of dictate uh, which charities are to benefit from this account, uh, the amounts that are to be paid out, how the money is to be invested, and then they can also involve their family in that account as well and, and um, delegate decision-making authority to children, friends, and, and of that nature uh, down the road should they pass away or, or become incapacitated. So it, it's a little bit more flexible than traditional just giving direct to a charity, a one-and-done and never seeing the money again. It allows people to, to really stay involved 
and and you know build up an account and and keep you know um, keep involved that way. Yeah, yeah. And Craig. Yeah, I've had a, a number of clients that have used this program and they really enjoy it. Um, and you, you touched on it, the flexibility. You know, yeah. one one uh, year they may say, okay, I'm going to do- donate to the church, and the next year might be say the Jervinsky uh, or the Cancer Foundation, and they can make that change every year. And it, it seems you know that's the probably the best part of it that they enjoy. Uh, for sure, yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's, you get the tax benefits up front. So every every dollar that goes into this account, uh, you, you get a tax receipt for that, uh, which gives you a significant uh, uh, tax credits. Um, it facilitates what's called in-kind donations. So so people might have non-registered investments that have um, like accrued capital gains. And, and um, the Income Tax Act, the government actually allows you to donate those securities um, uh, in kind, so basically as is, so you don't sell it and write a check. You basically just transfer the, the, the stock or the mutual fund or the bond uh, kind of as is, and it's preserved. And when you do that, uh, you actually eliminate the capital gain. You don't have to pay the capital gain tax on that. Uh, there's a 0% inclusion rate uh, down from the usual 50%. So our uh, travel giving program can facilitate those types of transfers. I've seen situations, uh, I know somebody wanted to give to their local church, but the church only wanted to take checks. And this individual had, you know, a large position with capital gains and they wanted to take advantage of this tax benefit. So by flowing it through our program and then granting it out to the church, um, they were able to get the full tax benefits as well as still benefit uh, their church uh, in very short uh, order as well. Um, And and like you said, it gives a lot of flexibility. You You can say, well, I don't want to give to the church now. I want to give a little bit to the church. I want to give a little bit to this. Uh, society and uh, you know as, as you progress through life there might be different um, causes that you care about and so you're always able to to flick the switch and name multiple charities to receive money from this account and like I said it all continues to grow tax on a tax-exempt basis as well yeah, um, yeah. Uh, as well so <coughs> Craig I was just uh, just uh, in sharing uh, on Don's comments too I have several clients that have used this type of product for their charitable giving and yep. um, it's funny in both cases they're they're almost completely different one has put in over a hundred thousand dollars into the program mm. and um, every year that money goes to the exact same charity mm. so in this case it's for um, uh, sponsoring some students in a third world country for mm. nice. um, yeah. for education yeah um, and so the, every single year it's the same thing now the other hand I have another client who has accumulated about 50,000 in the same type of um, program and uh, and they change it every year hmm. and sometimes mm-hmm. it's the SPCA sometimes it's uh, Alzheimer's hmm. Every year it's different, and so um, that's it. Just speaks to that flexibility, um, but it's 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 efficient. Now, I did have a question from somebody: Can you actually donate other things to the account? For example, um, you know, somebody had some art that was worth a significant amount. Again, concerned about capital gains. How would how do things like that, like personal items that have value, how can they be used in sort of a more tax efficient way as a donation? Yeah, I mean, you, you can, in theory, you can donate um, any any capital property. So you can donate your house, car. You you might see ad- advertisements uh, in you know your local area for the, the certain uh, uh, travel plans where people accept cars, for example, mm-hmm. and issue donation yes. receipts. So in theory, anything can be donated um, as long as the, the charity uh, is willing to accept it. 
and uh, you know they're willing to value that and and are comfortable with that value is and able to issue a receipt. Um, for our pr program itself, you know we're a financial institution. Uh, we have a relationship with uh, a public foundation. It's called the Strategic Travel Giving Foundation, and that's who we partner with to accept these donations. Mm -hmm. uh, being a financial institution, uh, you know, we're dealing with uh, monetary instruments, so so things like uh, you know stocks, bonds, mutual funds, segregated funds, uh, life insurance, uh, stock options. They can all be be donated, but uh, our program won't accept uh, things like art. Um, okay. and, and, and real property and real estate. Um, there's no real additional tax benefit to be gained by donating those as is anyway. Mm. Um, many charities wouldn't accept that because if you, especially when you, you're receiving art, it, it's very difficult for the charity to, to sell that and realize on, on its fair market value. Um, it, so, you know, it's often tricky when you want to donate those. Yeah, it seems, um, it seems that the, probably the most popular places for art or it would be like museums or, or the art galleries. Uh, they'll, exactly. get, they'll, they'll get those donations. They know the value. They'll get it um, value, valued at that time. And they will also issue the tax receipt because they're actually going to exhibit it for the next many years. Exactly. So they, they, can, they, they already have appraisers on hand. So there's no real additional cost to them to figure out what, you know, what this art's worth in terms of figuring out how much to issue a donation receipt. And like you said, that, that type of organization would be much more willing um, to accept that kind of donation. And if, if you have art, for example, that's very of cultural significance, as mm -hmm. it's known, uh, you can actually get that certified. Uh, there, is a, there is actually a, a process um, where you can get that artwork certified and any capital gain, so any growth since when you purchased that art to the time that you donated it. Uh, can also be exempted as well. So, so if you do have a significant piece of artwork that you like to give to your local museum uh, or whoever, then that would be something to explore to see if it is of uh, cultural uh, importance um, and and to get that certification. Mm -hmm. and, and you touched on, uh, you know, just go back to what you touched on in, in terms of donating, say, a stock or a mutual fund that has a capital gain. No, Andy and I have talked about this many times on the show, but if you it's one thing just to talk about the numbers and you're saving the capital gain, but I don't know if people realize just the significance of it. So if, let's say for an example, you have a $50,000 um, mutual fund and you pay $25,000 for it. So it's got a $25,000 gain there. Well, the taxable gain is about 12,500. 12, yep. And therefore, if you're in a high, you know, a high tax bracket, that would save you $6,250 in tax, just, uh, just on the fact you didn't have to pay on the capital gain, plus you still get the full donation credit of the 50000 So you end up getting back 31250 on a donation of, of 50000 So it's far more efficient by donating the shares rather than the cash. And I think that's something that probably the most underutilized way to donate in Canada. Correct. I mean, your net cost there of your $50,000 donation is only, like you said, around eight, just over $18,000. Exactly. So so you've outlaid that amount, but really it's only cost you eighteen. So some people, you know, they'll they'll write checks for fifty thousand dollars, but but they had this position over here with this with this capital gain um, that if they if they strategically planned what they were donating, they they could have uh, significantly enhanced the the taxable benefit. So it's always when you're donating um, larger amounts, it's always important to kind of step back and assess what am I actually going to donate because you might realize. Um, more tax benefits than than just simply writing a check. And yeah. 
I think with I think the word you used there was strategic, and I yes. think that's uh, that's perfectly describes the process. And uh, so often we're just doing it maybe emotionally without thinking strategically what would be the best way to do it. So it's a win, especially with charities. It's a win-win for everybody. Yeah, and another thing we see as well is some people want to make a large donation, so they'll you know they might have got an inheritance or something like that, uh, and they've come into some money. And they've said, right, I'm going to go give half a million uh, to, to charity. I don't need this money particularly, uh, so I'm going to go donate it. I want to donate right now. Or they might want to donate when they die. But it is important to be aware that when these are non-refundable tax credits that you get, and there is a limitation on, on how much you can claim on each tax return, and it's, it's 75% of your net income, so your, your income after deductions, like RSP deductions and things like right. that. And you can carry that forward for up to five years, but... After that, you lose the credit. So if somebody's got fairly low income but makes a large donation, they might find themselves in a situation where, wait, I can't use all the credits. Or in a flip situation, they say, I want to give a large amount when I die, but they don't actually have a lot of tax. And so you know, planning by saying, wait, you want to give all this money, but if you start giving a little bit here and there and doing it over time, you could actually realize a lot more tax benefits yes, uh, than if you just kind of blindly uh, made a lump sum donation, didn't really think yes. about it. So you know what? it's After important to, t- to time it right as well. After the break, I want to talk more about that exact subject. We okay. are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Services. And with them, Craig Hughes, Director of Tax and Estate Planning with IG Private Wealth Management. We're coming right back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now, leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com. That's andyanddon.com. And joining us today, Craig Hughes, Director of Tax and Estate Planning at IG Private Wealth Management. Craig, we were just talking before the break about um, having leaving a large legacy in your estate as part of your plan and how, you know, we're, when you think about trying to be strategic in this process, and I actually ran into that situation with a client that had planned to leave about a million dollars as part of their estate plan, and um, but had a relatively modest income of about 60000 a year. And when we looked at how much tax savings were going to be resulting from that gift at death, there was no way that she was going to receive all the benefits of the tax savings by doing it that way. And uh, so it, it's it's something to be very cognizant of that, uh, you know, there was almost 300000 of tax savings left wow. on the table by not being strategic about this process. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I just wanted to finish that note, and I know Don had a question for you. Yeah, well. and it really does come down to you still need a financial plan, <laughs> okay? Yeah. We talk about yeah. financial planning as personal financial planning. This is a kind of a niche market of financial planning. You know, you, you're looking at the end of somebody's life, perhaps, or extra money they want to gift to a, a church, and but you still need to have a plan. You don't want to, you want to be efficient, is at the end of the day. You still want to get the most value. And because at the end of the day, you're still going to be leaving other legacies, perhaps to your kids or grandkids, and the and the charity will still get the exact same amount of dollars they were going to get. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you might as well get as much tax savings as you can get. You want to give to the charity, not the tax man. You got it. Yeah, yeah that saves the, the biggest bill or the is, the is often the tax man. You want to reduce that as much as possible. And, and by maybe starting the charitable... Um, 
kind of thinking ahead of time before death, as Andy was just talking about, maybe that should be done 10 years in advance, particularly in the situation you're talking mm-hmm. about. I just went through, we just went through the end of the year and a lot of people, again, listening to this show, were, t- were saying, oh, okay, I'm going to gift shares. But they thought of it too late. And a lot of the uh, places that are recipients, it takes a while to just paper this donation. Yeah. And so they're looking at donating, say, December 15th. Well, it, often the paperwork takes longer than that. So I do it I, as a, just as a personal note, I would say, okay, if you're going to do any in-kind donations, so you're going to donate shares or mutual fund shares, think about it maybe, you know, at least September, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Don't wait till the last second because I have a feeling um, some of you may miss the boat and you'll end up having it in January. They'll still get it, but you'll miss the tax deduction for the year you wanted. That's mm-hmm. all. Now, I know you were thinking, you had a question about charitable remainder trusts. Yes, yes. You know, everything's so confusing. There's so many different ways to (laughs) donate money. And there's charitable charitable remainder trusts, there's charitable annuities. We just talked about the foundation. What's really the difference between the annuity and the charitable charitable remainder trust, Craig? So these two, um, the, the... they're not used as much as, as the, the child giving program, but they are available. So the idea behind both of these is kind of similar, is that you, you want to pledge assets to a charity. You, you know you want to do that. Uh, you don't necessarily want to put it through your estate. Uh, you know, you might have concerns that you might not have enough money then. Uh, there might be creditors, things like that, bills to pay. So you want to, you want to give now. Uh, but you, want, you need income as well. So you, you, you kind of want to have a little bit of strings attached. You're saying, look, I'm going to give it. Here it is. Uh, that decision cannot be reversed, but I'm going to take. I'm going to receive the income uh, during my lifetime. So, so that's kind of the idea behind the both of them. So, with the charitable remainder trust, the idea there is is you're basically putting it into a trust, and you, the donor, are the income beneficiary of the trust. So that means that any income generated in that account, so uh, distributions from the investments, things like that. That will be paid out to you, will be taxable to you throughout your lifetime. And the charity is the capital beneficiary or the residual beneficiary. So once you die, uh, the charity will then basically receive whatever's uh, within the trust on a, on a tax-free basis. And so the charity benefits at the end of the day, but you at least got that income stream uh, throughout your lifetime. And again, going back to what you said, it's, it's uh, creditor-proof. And, and also, I guess, hassle, if there's any kind of siblings that are fighting over the money, you know you've already done that part for sure. Exactly. You've ring-fenced it. It's out of your hands. It's in this yep. trust. Uh, your, your creditors uh, during your lifetime or, or of your estate, they can't attack that money. Uh, so you've kind of ring-fenced it. Um, th- th- there is a couple of, of, of downsides to it. Um, you don't get a donation tax receipt for the full value. Uh, of, of the amount that goes to the that you've put in uh, there has to be a present value calculation that, that you, you're basically being discounted because of the fact that you're receiving all this income throughout your lifetime uh, so there is a there is an actuarial calculation that so, needs to be performed there. so the older you are the the greater the tax receipt uh, the, yes yeah the less time you have based on your life expectancy mm-hmm. the, the the greater the, the tax receipt, yeah. But basically, you're trying to figure out the present value of what that future donation is. Got it. Uh, so you do get the receipt immediately, but it is for a reduced amount. You also can't do the 0% inclusion rate. So if you want to transfer mutual fund stocks or whatnot into this trust, it's not el- eligible for that. So you will be paying the tax um, on the capital gain there. So there is a bit of loss of, um, of tax benefits, but you still, but you know, you get in that income stream. And the charitable 
annuity, does that work the same? We cannot donate uh, in-kind transfers? You can, you can. So for that okay. one, it, that one works very differently. So for the annuity, the idea here is basically you're making an arrangement with a charity to say, again, here I'm pledging assets, and the charity will give you an income stream, and it will either do that itself, or most charities will try and shift the risk to an insurer, so they'll use the money you give to them uh, to buy an annuity contract, and they'll flow the annuity payments out to you. Again, you get a reduced donation receipt, uh, basically whatever the gift is minus the cost of that annuity. The, the net difference is what your, your donation receipt will be. And then again, you, the 0% inclusion rate applies to the proportion of the gift that's eligible for the receipt. So if 20% of this donation is eligible for the receipt, because 80% of it's used to fund the premium, uh, to buy the annuity, then the 0% inclusion rate applies to 20% of the donation. I guess the good news with the, the annuity, duration. though, is uh, a lot of return of capital, so you're not paying as much income tax on that income. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, the, the annuity payments, they, you can have it on a prescribed basis, so the interest is level for each payment or a non-prescribed basis where it, uh, the, the non-taxable piece will, will grow over time. But, yeah, basically the, the, the bulk of the payment that you receive will, will not attract any taxation. Uh, so, you know, it won't hit things like OAS and, and, yeah. and that type of thing during retirement. So, yeah, it, it's a kind of a tax-efficient income stream that you receive, and you do get a little bit of a donation receipt. And then once you pass away, and, and you can have it on a joint and survivor basis as well, the annuity. So once you and your spouse pass away, uh, then the charity would receive any uh, remaining payout from the annuity if there is any. And it also gets that upfront amount that was... Uh, over and above the uh, the annuity cost at the beginning as well. So so both strategies for those people who want to get money out of their estate, pledge right away, but th they still feel that they need an income stream um, to to sustain themselves during their own lifetime. So it sounds like the between the uh, charitable annuity and the charitable remainder trust, there's there's certainly some similarities. But if what would be the downside? It sounds like the charitable annuity has a little more benefit to it. Yeah, it and does. what would be the downside to the charitable annuity? Uh, the charitable annuity, again, you, you know, you, you, like I said, your donation receipt is, is reduced just to the net over right. and above the cost of the annuity. Uh, the 0% <coughs> inclusion rate, again, is, is on a proportional right. uh, basis. Um, you know, th there might be, you might say, well, if somebody is in the need of that income, then you could argue, well, should you be pledging this money, right? right, you, right. You, you've, you've lost control of the principle. So that's the main downside. Like, you can't change your mind. So if you've run into financial difficulty and that income stream is not sufficient for you, you've lost the capital. Uh, you can't pull it back. So that's the biggest mm. you know, red flag with it. Make sure this, will, this income stream will, will meet your needs for your lifetime. So right, yeah, at right. the end of the day, you're you're donating your money away, but you still need an income stream. So it's almost <laughs> they almost exactly. don't go together, it's kind right? Of counterintuitive. Yeah, <laughs> like, this makes sense. So yeah, I need an income, but here, here's all my money. So <laughs> exactly, so. And, and like I said, you're not optimizing the tax benefits. So that's why these are more very niche, uh, very specific fact patterns would use these types right, of products. Right. Um, yeah, that would be specific uh, to somebody who. Um, would need income, an income stream to maintain their lifestyle. And really right. want to put this out of their estate yes. for whatever reason. Yeah, but is, and is committed to making that charitable donation. The, um, the other area, and this one is a lot, another twist on charitable giving, is donating life insurance. So when we talk about donating life insurance, where you know, you're either going to get a 
charitable receipt for the premiums you're paying or a charitable receipt for the death benefit. Is that correct? Yeah, there's, there's two real approaches when it comes to life insurance. So the first one is to is to basically uh, donate a life insurance policy during your lifetime. So you might have an existing policy or you might want to take out a new one and you can assign ownership of that to a charity right away. Uh, and so the charity would be the owner and the beneficiary and basically every uh, life insurance premium that you pay uh, to that policy would be eligible for a donation tax receipt uh, for the full amount. Um, you'd also get uh, a donation receipt uh, to the extent that there's a cash surrender value. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can get it actuarially evaluated. Um, if, if there's a chance that the fair market value of that policy is greater than the cash surrender value, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you'd get a donation receipt for, for the full um, fair market value. You don't get... So with that... So that donating life insurance, you know, that allows you to donate a large amount uh, for, you know, reduced costs. Right, mm-hmm. the cost of the premiums should be less than the death benefit. Ideally, that's the idea, um, and that's done on a tax-free basis. So you can give a large amount to charity at death. Uh, you won't. Your state will not get another donation tax receipt at death in that scenario where the charity owns the policy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you essentially ring fence this money again. It, it doesn't impact your estate. It doesn't impact what you what's going on your will and what your heirs are going to get. You've basically said, right, the charity's going to get this policy, and I'll I'll fund it, and I'll get tax benefits throughout my lifetime. So the, with that with sorry. that life insurance policy, then, um, and this I was exactly thinking that. So obviously, we run into Don and I run into clients who have existing life insurance policies. Some are small, some are bigger, and um, they're you know the question is, do I need this? Should I should I still keep it? Should I keep still keep paying the premiums? And that might be an option in terms of <clears throat> a strategy around using that policy they've had for years. But I guess the other side of the coin, if they wanted to think about this strategy to give a larger donation, uh, you your health has to be adequate so that you can qualify for the life insurance, right? Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so it's, yeah. it's better to do it sooner rather than later in, in many regards on that front. Yep. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I agree. I, I, the, the alternative approach is to retain ownership of the policy and basically... Um, either name the charity as the beneficiary on the policy or or to have the proceeds of the insurance policy go through your will mm-hmm. and then pass uh, pass along to the insurance pol- uh, the uh, the charity via the will the The benefits of that approach are you'll get a larger donation receipt because your estate will receive the donation receipt for the full value of the death benefit, which should be significant yes. Um, and so that can be used to reduce taxes on your, your final tax return, as well as an estate return, as well as the, the year prior. And so often your final tax return is one of your largest um, tax bills, if, especially if you hold registered assets, things like that. Yes. Um, and so that, that donation receipt of death that's for a sizable amount could preserve your estate for your, you know, your family, friends, um, depending on what else is going on with your will. So, yes. uh, significant as well. And the, the big thing is you retain control, so you can change your mind. So, True. If, if, if you donate a policy during your lifetime, that's one and done. It's ir- irreversible. But if you retain ownership and name the charity as beneficiary of via your estate, uh, you can change your mind at any time. You can uh, always change your will can always change your will. You can always change the designation. And, yeah. and then, like I said, there's two kind of routes there. So one is 
is to push it through your well. The other is to name the, the charity as the direct beneficiary. Uh, there's pros and cons to that. The beneficiary designation will push it outside of your estate. So you don't have to pay probate fees. So there's a little bit of t- uh, savings there. So what uh, happens? There's less flexibility on uh, with that. Right. And I was thinking on all three of these ones we've been talking about, the charitable remainder trusts, charitable annuities, and um, donating a life insurance in, you know, while you're alive and doing it that way is again it's there's not a lot of flexibility to this you've you've sort of locked yourself in once you've done that and um but uh what would happen now in a life insurance policy where you've left it either as a beneficiary um at your death or through your will what happens if the charity doesn't really exist anymore yeah so that that's where the using the will uh, I was thinking, for example, like a church, and then suddenly, you know, 20 years later, that church has folded and it no longer exists. That's the biggest risk with a direct beneficiary designation. So if you have a beneficiary designation, you'll have written the church on the application form with, with the insurer. Mm-hmm. If that church doesn't exist, well, then, then the designation fails. Uh, and so then it would just fall back into your estate, and then it could go, it'll go to whatever your will dictates. And so... Um, basically, your wishes are, um, haven't been followed, and and your charitable donation fails. Mm-hmm. Um, at least if you if you put it through your will, then we always recommend that you cover off um, either naming an alternate or at least giving the executor some direction as to how to determine an alternate. So you know you might say right. this field or whatnot. Um, you know this area of. of research or this type of charity it doesn't have you don't have to name this it, type uh, of religion as long as the executive yeah. can figure out yeah this, this is kind of what you would want to do um in, in the event that the church failed then the executive can follow through on that if you don't then it's just going to form part of a residue of your estate and be distributed per per whatever your will says yes um, if you have a will if you don't have a will <laughs> then you look at the uh intestacy laws of the province in which you live in and then you subject to the will of the to the rules of the of your of uh, of the the act basically based on your family situation. Well, hopefully those people that uh, are doing this type of work to get their donations in order for yeah. an estate, they also start have a with, will. Start with a will. <laughs> yeah. I would okay. hope so. Yeah, you'd be surprised. How, <laughs> you'd be surprised how, how often that comes up. But um, yes, but the will should always be there as a failsafe to explain what is to happen. And to cover off contingent events, a, a well-drafted will would, uh, w- you know, would uh, touch upon all those those points. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. And joining us today, Craig Hughes, Director of Tax and Estate Planning at IG Private Wealth Management. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. Call now. Leave a message. They'll return your call at 905-529-7165. And check out the website at andyanddon.com. Joining us this week, Craig Hughes. He is the Director of Tax and Estate Planning at IG Private Wealth Management. We've been focusing on charitable giving and all this conversation has been from the personal perspective. So as an individual, if mm-hmm. you're giving money, what um, if you're if you are have your own business and you have a corporation, uh, maybe an operating company, maybe a holding company, what are the pros and cons or the strategies around a corporation giving money uh, as you think about your charitable giving? Yeah, so so 
Corporations, it works a little bit differently. So personally, when you donate, uh, you get non-refundable tax credits. Um, when you donate corporately, you actually get a deduction. And, and the order of that deduction based, is based on the type of income that the corporation receives. So, so you deduct against um, income that's, subject to, that's not subject to the small business rate, so, so general rate uh, taxable income. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you deduct against your investment income. And then finally, if you have small business income, it would be duct- deducted against that. And that's the order? So, no, uh, in all cases, that is the order they have to follow? That, that is the order, yeah. You look okay. at the general rate income first, then investment income, less any uh, dividends it's received from public corporations, and then uh, small business rate so, income. So uh, basically, the first rate is about 25%, the next one could be about 50%, and the last one's like 15%. Uh, yeah, I- exactly. So you want to you want to take up, so you, you want to look at your personal situation, uh, you want to look what those tax credits would be worth to you versus your corporation, what would that um, deduction look like, and try and get a, try and get a feel of mm-hmm. where the greater tax savings can be had, because tax credits in Ontario... If you're in lower tax brackets, it's actually worth more of a de- more than a deduction. But once you start getting into the highest tax bracket, uh, Ontario is one of those provinces where the top tax rate is actually higher than the top donation tax rate. Yeah, so you could actually uh, there's actually a little bit of a spread there. Like fifty three and a half versus about fifty. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you, you want to take a look at that. You want to look at um, do, do, do you have personally or corporately positions with large capital gains? Uh, because that can, as we talked about earlier, that can generate additional tax benefits if you donate those uh, securities, stocks, bonds, things like that in kind. Um, you know, if you have all that in your corp, then it might make sense there because that gets credited to your capital dividend account, the full amount of the gain, and so that allows you to extract funds from the corporation to the shareholders tax-free. Uh, so you definitely want to take a look at what you're donating. Um, and then as well... Um, so once you've got kind of a feel of where the, the greater tax savings, you, you want to look where the, the cash flow is too. If, if, you're, if you determine that there's greater tax savings to be had personally, sometimes people want to pay out of the corp to then donate personally. Mm-hmm. But that can that be defeats. a problem because sometimes you're going to have tax, you could have source of holding taxes and things like that if you're paying out a salary. So you've got to try and figure out where am I getting money from to make up the difference to, to grow, get back to my gross amount to, to make the full donation. So... Uh, there's definitely a number of moving parts with that, um, <laughs> for sure. And it, there's no right answer. Um, it, every situation is unique when it comes to, to whether to donate corporately and personally. And again, that's where planning can come in to make sure that you make the optimal uh, decision. It seems, in, in a, you know, generally speaking, if it's a holding company, just holding investments, you're paying a top tax rate inside that holding company. Y- yeah, it, if, if, yeah, exactly. And, and if it's holding investments, there should be capital gains too. And so... Um, in that situation, yeah, typically the, the corporate deduction would, would make sense. But if somebody's in a, a low tax bracket for whatever reason right. um, and they can get credits that are a lot greater than, than what the, uh, the tax rate they're paying, mm-hmm. uh, then, it, then it could make sense uh, personally too. But uh, yeah, as a general, often it would usually would fall on the side of a, of a corporate donation. Uh, but... Um, uh, that's not uh, that's Isn't not it, a black and white. Yeah, area. those rules of thumb are dangerous, aren't they? <laughs> they are very dangerous. Yes. yes. So and I again, come up my thumb up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it does come back to planning, and this is what Andy and I talk about all the time. We, you know, a lot of people will say, "Okay, I listened to the, your show, or I read this article, and I hear this is what you're supposed to do." 
Well, that may be the case in, say, 80% of the time or even maybe only 50% of the time. But they get in their head, this is the way things are supposed to be done. And this is why you need a personal financial plan because everybody is different and you really do need to look at your situation. And again, just talk, listening to hear Craig talking about tax brackets of you personally versus the corporate tax, yeah, it's very confusing, just to say the least. Like the average, I'm sure the a lot of the listeners out there right now are saying, whew, my head's spinning just listening to this right now. <laughs> yeah. And again, it, and likely it is because we, and we, we take 40 to 80 hours a year of courses just to keep our CFP so that we understand what Craig is saying right now, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so it is confusing, but again, it comes back to what is the most efficient way to create the financial plan for you. Now, uh, let's switch gears a little bit here, Craig, and we'll, we'll talk about some down and dirty stuff, the, the, the scams, the charitable <laughs> scams that are out there. Yeah. And, uh, and I've had some clients that have run through this, um, particularly this uh, probably about 15, 20 years ago, but they were uh, involved in, an, it ended up being an art scam at the end of the day mm-hmm. where, where the, the value of the art was inflated, a charitable receipt was uh, issued based on that value, and then uh, CRA quickly caught wind of this and uh, challenged the, uh, all the group about it. And it took years in court, but it finally they ended up having to pay. But So, I mean, the bottom line on scams, and we're just going to come to break in a second, but that, that wherever you are getting a larger receipt <clears throat> for more than you've had to contribute, you should have a big red flag. Is that mm-hmm. fair? Yeah, yeah and, and CRA has aggressively been uh, going after these types of schemes. Uh, there's been a number of changes to the, the, law, the, the tax laws on this, and they have been uh, actively going back. There's numerous, there's numerous tax uh, uh, court cases uh, over the last decade uh, where they've been challenging these types of schemes. And uh, there was one uh, in the last couple of months, actually, uh, in Quebec uh, as well, so in the provincial courts, where basically, yeah, if, if you, they're trying to say the, the amount that you donate, so your cash outlay, we will get you donation receipts in excess of that so that they'll be worth more than what you've actually pushed out. Hmm. Um, which goes contrary to the whole idea of giving away money and donating <laughs> well, it. Well, yeah, let's listen to this whole story right after the break. That one sounds good. We are yep. planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. And joining us, Craig Hughes, Director of Tax and Estate Planning for IG. We're coming right back. We are planning our financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox are here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now, leave a message at 905-529-7165 and check out the website at andyanddon.com and joining us today Craig Hughes director of tax and estate planning with IG private wealth management it's uh scam time <laughs> there's a few of these around there are yes. a few of these around and so uh we just want to finish up Craig I'll give you uh give you the floor here for a bit just to maybe tell us or highlight some of the some of the ones that you've heard of recently or have information about that would be great yeah so just just like I said so Siri's really been tightening up on these um and it, they've They've changed the law, uh, you know, to to go after these types of schemes and and you know just for for people listening, like if if they do suspect something, they have special powers to say we don't care if this is going through a process right now. You still have to pay 50% of the tax and any penalties up front. So that's kind of a unique uh, weapon mm. that they have to say you know you still have to give forward money to us. Uh, half guilty, half out. guilty till proven innocent. And, yeah, guilty. in this case, they're saying you're half guilty. Give us <laughs> half the money, and then we'll uh, we'll figure it out whether you're guilty or not. And they actually have 
longer reassessment periods as well. So you might think, uh, oh, there's this, usually a three-year period, and you might think you're out of the, the, the woods. Uh, but actually for these schemes, uh, they do actually have a bit of a uh, window to pull you back in um, in the future. And we ha- we've seen cases where it has been many, many years and now they're reassessing and, you know, the penalties and interest on that are, are horrific. Um, so, yeah, there's usually two kind of main um, main scams, I would say. So so one is, is basically you get offered to uh, buy something usually like artwork like i think andy and dom are saying uh, at a, lo- a lower discounted price they'll say you know we'll give you a discount uh, you buy this on the understanding that you'll turn around and you'll uh, you'll donate it to this charity that we're kind of affiliated with and uh, we, you know it's all done in house and we'll get it appraised and then the artwork is for the the, the non-discounted price and so you've outlaid a lower discounted amount and you get a donation receipt for this full uh, appraised value at full full fair market value. And then basically the idea here is that your uh, donation tax credits will actually be larger than your, your cash outlay. Uh, CRA does not like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that they have looked into, into those types of things and they've changed the law now that says that basically if you get donation receipts in excess of your cash outlay, uh, we'll reduce the receipt to to your own cost uh, mm. of what you purchased mm. the the artwork for. Have, have um, you heard any of the things about the timeshares being uh, used? Timeshares? Yes. Uh, like in, in what way? They're donating timeshares. One I've come across uh, it was quite a number of years ago, and you know people are trying to get out of those some, sometimes, especially later on when they're not using them as often. You say I'll donate them for whatever I paid for them, even, but in real reality, they're they're often just giving them away. So they're getting a full tax receipt for like $30,000. And uh, CRA didn't like that one the either. The hope is that the charity could turn around and sell it? Or at least that's the appraised value. Okay. Um, and the charity would get something out of it, but it would never get that kind of money. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah usually usually the charities kind of set up, they're all in cahoots, right? So mm. the appraiser, the charity, the promoter of the scheme, uh, you, you know, they're all kind of, uh, affiliated in, in some way but the, the general premise is you're being offered something for a lower price and will appraise it at a higher value uh, I mean the Quebec courts recently when when the case came uh, to them uh, similar type of idea but basically they said it, it's not a gift then if you if you're giving uh, mm. with the intention of receiving more back than what you're giving <laughs> then uh, then you don't meet the definition of what a gift is and <laughs> so in that in that instance you know they obliterated uh, the, the tax benefits because they said you haven't given this voluntarily uh, you've done this to make money and so that's how they they got it in, in that way uh, the other one that you kind of see is, is lo- leveraging schemes so so basically the, the the person operating the scheme will will say look we'll borrow you borrow you money um, you pay us a fee and we'll lend you the money and then you the money that you lend you donate that money you get the donation receipt for the loaned amount and then we'll use this fee to invest that and kind of use it to to pay down the loan and the interest uh, over a very long period of time so basically uh, you get the donation receipt um, and the tax credit is more than what the fee that you've paid so again you're, you the, the credits are worth more than your outlay uh, and they try and hope that the the fee will cover the loan which it doesn't so you end up having to owe the firm and uh as well your donation receipt will be denied because it was for more than what you, you your your outlay so 
So yeah, any time that you see these kind of in, in, number of steps uh, and the end result of those steps is to get more back than what you put in, uh, I would be highly suspicious of those. And, um, and you know, there could be significant uh, issues if CRA come along and deny that donation receipt, then all those tax savings are gone. You've lost your cash outlay and you'll have to pay penalties and interest as well. And if you fight that in court, then, you know, you've got litigation costs as well. And so I think, and that's very careful. That's very true. And, and even in the case then in my own clients that have had this happen, the amount of stress oh, that's, yeah. That, yeah. That, yeah. that they're carrying with them on, as this is constantly going through the system, uh, wondering, and, and of course, and I've, I know of situations where, where people have passed away. And now the executors are actually having to hold hold the bag in terms of trying to carry this process on and get it solved. So you're putting stress on the executor after you just got stressed. Yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> Inherited stress. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, we really appreciate your time. It's been um, uh, very interesting. Yeah, very enlightening. Thank very you, enlightening. Craig. Great information. And uh, for anybody thinking about charitable giving, it's very be very strategic. Make sure you have a plan in place, and uh, we'd be happy to review your options with you for sure. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Andy Lister and Don Fox have been here from IG Private Wealth Management. You can call now and leave a message at 905-529-7165. And joining us this week, Craig Hughes, Director of Tax and Estate Planning at IG Private Wealth Management. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, Thanks Scott. Scott. See you next week.